Hey, welcome into the Georgia show. Uh, Georgia comes off of a big win over UAB. Some fits and starts. We'll break that down. Talk about the most recent decommitment from this 2024 class, NICAR. That's a big one. And get some early takes on Georgia and Auburn in the Deep South's oldest rivalry in September. Man, that's weird. It's the Georgia show. Let's hunker down. Better never rest. Fellas, as my lights go out, I feel like I'm at Sanford Stadium right now. Uh, welcome to the Georgia you're already, Show. You're already in the fourth quarter. You're in the fourth <laughs> That's quarter, right. right, fourth quarter, baby. Let's get the Redcoats going. Uh, let's start off with this breaking news from today. Nicar decommits from the dogs. Rusty, I'll uh, let you take it away. What do we know? Uh, and what's what's the deal with this big 2024 decommitment in Georgia's class? Well, I, I never want to sugarcoat things. That was a big one. I think Nicar is a difference maker. I think Georgia thought that as well. Many schools at wide receiver. Brian McClendon was at uh, Colquitt County on Friday. It was at his game on Friday. Um, I didn't see him interviewed after the game, but someone just texted me and said, hey, he basically said he's going to Georgia because they always produce the number one. So as of Friday night on national TV, he was still firmly committed to Georgia. Georgia was there on Friday. Everything felt good. And all of a sudden this afternoon, he is no longer committed. And that's uh, that's kind of recruiting. Now you got to get them until you get them signed. But sounds like it's going to be at Auburn next weekend. It's going to take a visit to Florida State. But if we're talking about right now, on 924, I think Miami is a clear favorite right now. And I hey, listen, I'll chime in here real quick too. Um, I, I agree with Georgia. Like you, I agree with you, Rusty. I think he's a difference maker. I, I compared him to kind of a more explosive Terry Godwin. You know, I mean, he's not the biggest guy out there, but size doesn't matter like it once did at the receiver position. But Listen, it's a blow. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not trying to there, – there's no positive spin on it. Georgia would be a better – have a better recruiting class, and I think they'd be a better football team if they had Nikar in the fold. But I also – I mean, at the end of the day, is it is it sugarcoating it to say I think Georgia's still going to be fine? I think the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and I still think Georgia's going to uh, figure it out at wide out. I, th- I think they've probably got some guys that they really like that they've evaluated. Um, that they might turn to at that position. I think they might turn to some guys in the portal. Um, we saw them do that this past year. I, I mean, I have a hard time based on what I've seen with Georgia. And I know a lot of folks are, you know, listen, we've been discussing this all over the, the dog walk message board. And, you know, for some that may make you want to come get involved and some it may mean, hey, I never want to talk, get involved in that kind of discussion. I, I would understand both sides of that, honestly, to be just quite frank. I dig it, but not everybody does. Um, I have a hard time after seeing what Georgia has gone through, Rusty, the past two or three years. Um, George Pickens gets hurt. Georgia still wins the national championship. Goes undefeated in the regular season without him, without him appearing in anything but game 12. Georgia loses Jermaine Burton. They lose Jermaine Burton, all right? Um, <laughs> they They keep on trucking. Played nine games without A.D. Mitchell, I think. Right. Lose Jermaine Burton and to the transfer portal. Then play nine games without A.D. Mitchell, and, and most of which he was ineffective in. Three of those that he actually appeared in, he didn't do anything in because he was still injured or, or just barely getting back in. So you play you know, all those games without A.D. Mitchell and Jermaine Burton leaving, and then you lose A.D. Mitchell and kind of just keep going. So I, I just have a hard time getting super concerned about it because it's not like they're barely getting by and they're barely cobbling it together. They're, they're doing great. They're, they're figuring out a way to, to be really good. And, um, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm honestly, if, if, if Nikar is completely not going to end up at Georgia, which it looks like he's not, I'm just really interested to see what Georgia has for an answer because they seem to always have one. Robert Peterson says, uh, can someone please explain to me why Georgia can't land an elite receiver and they have the top quarterback in the class. That is the weakness of this, a lack of elite receivers on the roster just average wide receivers. I think that's a great point. You got Dylan Raiola committed and Ryan Puglisi. You'd think, you know, logically, with that kind of talent slinging the ball around, you should have a steady line of receivers lining up to come play with them. 
Can we demystify that one a little bit? Well, I think one of the things that Georgia's always faced, and that's is they don't have a thousand yard receiver. And whatever that means, Georgia spreads the ball out. They did it under Munkin. Uh, I do believe if George Pickens wouldn't have got hurt, he would have got a thousand yards. But, you know, I can't sit here and say Georgia's going to make a receiver have a thousand yards because the best player in the country, if not a top player in the country, is Brock Bowers. And you saw what he did last night. I mean, he is by far the best player on offense. And, uh, if you take Marvin Harrison out of the game, I think Brock Bowers is the best offense player uh, in America that's not a quarterback. So, you know, Georgia's not going to – they're not going to feature, you know, wide receivers. Are they going to spread the ball out? They're definitely going to spread the ball out. Everybody gets touches, but you're not going to get 1,000 yards worth of yards. So I, I wouldn't say, like, elite wide receivers. But but if you wanted to say – I've talked to recruits over the years. Jack used to cover recruiting as well. Georgia gets peeled on not having a thousand yard receiver. What was it, AJ Green, the last one? Or Terrence Edwards, maybe? Hey, Terrence um, Edwards is the one and only. Yeah, Terrence Edwards. So you look at that Edwards. and it's, it's just like it is what it is. But I, you know, I know Georgia shows those stats. I know they show these kids. Look, everybody on our team touches the football. We spread 12 catches, uh, 12 different guys against UAB. 12 different guys caught the ball last night. So, but listen, a couple years ago, Trey Scott faced this. Georgia faced this with D line. They were not getting D linemen drafted for like five years. And as soon as he did, it was a wrap. And, and it's been that, that's over. Glenn Schumann didn't play college football. Schools killed him saying this guy doesn't know how to do it. Well, that's over. So, listen, Georgia sooner or later is going to have a thousand yard receiver. I can guarantee you that. But right now, their best wide receiver, their best offensive player is Brock Bowers. And he's going to get a thousand yards. And uh, it's crazy because you look at it. Let, let's look at the roster right now. What have we heard about six times already this year? Georgia's best playmakers are still at wide receiver. Yeah. You're still yeah. pass catchers. Brock Bowers, Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, Get Lab, McConkey back, uh, Marcus Rosemary, Jack St. Arian Smith. Um, they, they, they develop, they get guys to buy in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, listen, it's more than just about signing a high highly touted guy to high school i mean tell me right now tell me what freshman could georgia have brought in in this past class that would just be ripping it up in this offense right now and i don't i don't necessarily know that that guy is that maybe maybe if you got one of the top one or two in in the 2023 class could just be ripping it up for georgia right now but otherwise i can't think of any well here's something too now and now we'll get into this we could we could have a whole hour on this but the last couple of years, the state of Georgia has been down at wide receiver. So that hadn't helped them as well either. Mike Matthews this year, big loss. They recruited him very hard, recruited him very hard, did not get him. I felt like Nikar was either the best wide receiver in the state or the second best. So now, like, you're going to get him. But how many difference makers has there been in the state of Georgia the last couple of years? And it's been down at wide receiver. I think it's going up, but for whatever reason, it has been down for a little while and they've had to go out and win battles. I mean, you look at their start, you know, Marcus Rosemey, South Florida, Dylan Bell. He's Aaron, Aaron Smith's from Florida. Dylan Bell's from Houston, Texas. You know, all these guys are from all over the place. Listen, they wouldn't beat down the door to get a hold of Ladd McConkey, and he's your best wide receiver right now when he comes back up in, up in you know, North Murray there. So, um, you know, I think, Jake, you're on the right path there. I can say this. Is it a big loss not getting Nikar? It is. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not because I thought I, I thought like this guy's a one guy that couldn't lose at wide receiver. Now, saying that, the wide receiver portal is by far the deepest every single year. And you look at multiple teams. Florida State, if you go through Florida State's roster, their entire skill players are, are roster or portal. Uh, Keon Coleman, Michigan State, Jaheim Bell, South Carolina. I can go on and on. Their quarterbacks are transferred. I mean, I can go on and on about how you can build offensive scheme players. Now, that's not what Kirby Smart wants to do, but if they get into what they think they need to do, they went in and got Ron Rod Thomas and Dominic Lovett last year. Does not mean that Georgia can't go in there and get a couple because they got Rayola and Puglisi and these guys coming, and you go out and get a young guy. It's got a couple of years ago. Not only we have Carson back and whoever, we got two other guys. So I don't think it's time to panic, but I also don't want to sit here and be that guy and say that's not a big loss today because Nike Harbor's a big loss. Yeah, any way you slice it, it's going to hurt. Um, it's not how Kirby wants to build the roster, but he got Dominic Lovett. He got Ra Ra Thomas that way. Hammerhead Dog says, why don't the boosters just handle getting these kids paid up front? Let Kirby coach. Let the <laughs> boosters toss millions out of Nikar. I don't think you're going to see that either. Kirby not doesn't want to build a roster through the portal, and he doesn't want a team 
that is cobbled together with guys that come in the locker room getting paid like that. Uh, and, hey, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to talk trash here. I'm not trying to talk trash to anybody. I, I do that occasionally just to kind of ruffle some feathers, but I swear I'm not doing this. We saw, we saw a class get put together with an aisle. We saw it. Mm-hmm. All right. And we saw, we saw the fruits of that labor. It, I'm not saying that's the only reason that that you know that class did not work out and didn't come in and pan and most of those guys left or not most of them but a, a large portion of them left i'm not saying that's why but i, I think it played a role and I, I think that ultimately you've got to kind of trust your head coach and you got to trust your program to know right what can this do to our program what can this what can this do for for this guy or that guy you know, what if we do bring in this recruit and he's the highest paid, you know, kind of upfront, you know, predetermined NIL guy that we've ever gotten? What what could that do to our locker room? And you've got to trust your coach to know that pulse. It's not like Kirby sitting there with a finite amount of cash in front of him saying, I'm I, if if I don't spend it, I get it myself. Yeah, this right. isn't a fantasy football waiver wire. Yeah, brother. right. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect way to put it, Wes. Yeah. Perfect way to put it. Yeah. It's not like that, man. It, it, this is not like – this is not play money. This is like a – hey, w- Georgia can probably get it together if they wanted to, but it's but it's not – and it's not a moral high ground. It's kind of like, all right, well, if it gets to a point where they're not getting the players good enough to do it, then they'll probably up the ante a little bit. But right now they're still getting fantastic football players and they're doing it their way. And, you know, you got to trust your coach and you got to trust your organization to adapt as it comes. I want to uh, point out how the grass may not always be greener. Okay, you look at programs like Ohio State, and that's kind of what Georgia fans wish they could be. Where they, you know, you wish you could get a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. to come in, Jeremiah Smith. Jeremiah uh, Smith. As we pointed Jeremiah out, oh, I'm just yeah, telling you. Oh, I, I mean, as we pointed out, Georgia doesn't play it like that. But look at this game they played last night. How much did that deep pool of fantastic wide receivers helped them out against Notre Dame. They still had to win at the goal line running the ball in. And Georgia wants to play that way too, and Georgia's much better at it. Georgia specializes at it, and that's what it takes to win these big games. My my high school office line coach and head baseball coach, and I think he worked at the local hair care and tire center too. I mean, it's Pearson, Georgia, baby. They do it all. Ben Snipes. Ben Snipes said uh, he said it all the time. There's more than one way to skin a cat, and <laughs> you know that's just the way it goes. That sounds, like, that sounds like a great sponsor for Coffee Town. I'm just telling you right yeah, now. Yeah, no so doubt about it. We go yeah. there, as we go into that, uh, there's a lot of teamwork to go around, a lot of specialization, but a lot of uh, flexibility that goes into a great sponsorship too, uh, and especially in a great football team. And I think that's what Georgia's doing, and that's how Georgia's building its roster. Uh, Nykar hurts, but Let's see what the dogs do from here, man. Let's see what they pick up either in recruiting class or in the portal. I, I still think Georgia's got a pretty dang good class and they're doing it the way they want to do it. Was it a surprise to the staff? Seems like it, yeah. uh, but that doesn't mean they can't bounce back. Guys, uh, if you are heading to Auburn, you uh, are on a little bit of a, a whim here and you want to go down to the Plains, you don't have tickets yet, let me tell you where you can pick them up. GameTime.co has partnered with On3. They've partnered with uh, Dogs HQ as well. And with the link that we'll have in this episode's description, you can pick up your tickets at Jordan-Hare Stadium. If you're going to brave the throng of Auburn War Eagle fans out there and you want to try your luck, well, if you use the code DOGS, follow the link that we've got for you, you will get $20 off of your first order at game time. Now, the terms do apply to these orders, so read through the fine print. Make sure it's what you want to sign up for. But I had a buddy that needed some tickets for the South Carolina game, came all the way from Washington State. I said, hey, man, use GameTime.co, use this code DOGS, and get $20 off, and they had fantastic seats. Uh, Try to go in on it with some buddies, maybe. You don't want to be the only fan wearing red there at Jordan Hair. That doesn't usually go too well for you. But Try out GameTime.co, get their app, and find your tickets to any event whenever you need them. Week of the game, a couple weeks out, a month out, doesn't matter. Use that code DOGS, get $20 off. You can see 
I'm sharing the screen here, and there's some uh, decent options available. Knock off $20, and you are sitting pretty at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, let's talk about this most recent Georgia game, guys. Dogs knock off UAB. Some fits and starts. It's to be expected with this Georgia team right now. I take a step back and I look at this team and you know don't necessarily see eye to eye with the people on our message board all the time. I still think this team is inching along and getting a little bit better each week. Am I seeing things the right way? I believe so. Um, and Rusty, uh, here's what I've seen, man. I've seen this team. I've seen this team get better within games. And I'm not saying like they they've gotten better like on a on a permanent long term basis within games, but I've seen them get themselves right during a game. But what I saw yesterday was the lull was a lot shorter. The situational football got really cleaned up, like third down, uh, uh, red zone. Georgia went, I believe, ten of thirteen on third down, six of six in the red zone. I mean, Georgia went all the way from ninety first in the country to fiftieth in the country. Now they're on par with where they were this. They're better than they were this time last year on, on third down, and they're they are uh, on par with where they finished the season last year on third down. So I think all of those things are positive, and 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 I think it's 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 promising if you're looking at it. Well, you see a touchdown on the first drive, that's a good thing. You see six of six in the red zone scoring touchdowns, that's a good thing. Ten of thirteen on third down, that's a good thing. Um, now, did the defense play great? No, not necessarily. But my point on this whole team and rusty i can't remember if it was on this very show or or if if you and i were talking about it it all runs together at some point because we talk a lot um i've got a lot of confidence especially after seeing that that video that we saw last week of georgia in the in the thing at halftime i've just got a lot of confidence in this team to find a way i don't think it's as dominant or as crisp or as fast or as you know just bully ball team like it was last year on both sides of the ball. I don't think it's that team, but I just got a lot of confidence in this team to find a way when it happens until they don't, I'm, I'm going to believe in that. The one thing that Georgia has that I would say 99.5% of the 99% of the teams in the country don't have is they have a locker room full of kids that have won it all and they know how to win. They know what's expected of them and how to get to that point and the work that it takes to get there. Um, this team is not built like 2021 or 2022. It's just not. And it doesn't mean this team cannot win the national championship. I just think they're 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 just not as explosive in places. They are way more banged up than any one of those teams ever was. I mean, they're let's just say right now, kind of going out, let's this their best. One of their best defensive players, Bullard, he's out. Best offensive tackle they got by far is out. Best running back, in my opinion, Branson Robinson, is out. Uh, Lad McConkey is out. You got a really good freshman that people haven't got a chance to see play yet and Lawson Lucky, who hasn't been there. They got a lot of pieces, man. Michael Williams, your best you know, pass rusher, in my opinion. D. Lyman didn't play yesterday. So there's a lot of things going on with Georgia right now. I think college football is wide open, man. I think it's wide open. I think there's really six or seven teams that might can win this thing, and I certainly think Georgia is one of them. And, um, you know, I, I think people need to caution kind of where this team is and where it can get to because, like both of y'all just mentioned, I think this team keeps taking steps forward. Is it perfect? No. Does it look great right now? No. How quickly people forget some of the some of the – Offensive struggles Georgia went through at times, you know, but the way they got hot and how they finished that national championship, the way they played Ohio State and TCU, that's what people kind of thought, you know, that's where you want to be. In game 14 and 15, Jake, that's where you want to be. You want to be at your best. In game 14 and 15 last year, Georgia, was, and basically game 13 on, LSU, Ohio State, and TCU, as they went on, Georgia was at their best, especially offensively. Not defensively, but but offensively, they were at their best. So, you know, I think people just kind of – I sit back today and just read a lot, read a lot of comments, and I think people are frustrated. It's kind of kind of where we are as a fan base and, and a company that covers this fan base. I mean, Georgia's 4-0. They won 20, 21 in a row now. 21, I think, in a row. 21 yeah. You know, they come in, they just they just beat down teams, wear teams down. They got all this kind of depth. 
Uh, they got a lot of really talented young football players. They got to get their bodies back healthy. I get these guys back. This is to me, this Auburn game, and I don't you throw the record out right now. Is Georgia a favorite? Yeah, they're more than two touchdown favorite, and they should be. But this is Carson Beck's first start. There's a lot of guys. This is, you know, this is Ernest Green's first start on the road. Uh, this will be Dalen Everett's first start on the road. You know, I mean, in, in a in a big time SEC environment. So got a lot of young players making their first starts on the road. So you kind of see what this team, this is the next step, is handling road games. Crazy to sound. Georgia only has three more home games left in this season, which is nuts. So they're going to be on the road a lot, going to be at neutral sites a lot, and Georgia fans hope they're going to be in Atlanta and some places on. So kind of my getting off on a tangent, sorry, but just want to kind of touch base on where I think Georgia is right now and where I think Georgia can go because – uh, you can pick apart everything about Georgia right now, but I see them taking steps each week in some areas that's important. And I think Carson Beck had a really good game last night. That ball he threw, unless you were there in person, Jake, I think it's Jake, Jake, you said it was 70. Uh, 67 uh, yards in the air. 67 yards, man. I was sitting elevated. He threw such a pretty ball, man. That thing, yeah. that ball he threw last night. I don't know that I've ever seen a ball in Sanford Stadium thrown that far, in my opinion. I Just, have. I have. Drew Locke. Drew Lock, okay, yeah. Drew Lock is the only one I've seen uncork yeah. something like that in Sanford Stadium. I'm telling you now, he turned that thing loose, and I was, I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize he had that. But uh, yeah, balls drop is what it is. But right now, I think George is taking steps forward uh, with some things. It's not, it's not, they're not in fifth gear by any means. But uh, big game this weekend. But I think right now, four and zero, get through some work things. Got to get some bodies back. And you see that picture right there that uh, we have up uh, in number nineteen. He's special. He, he he is going to be one of the best players that have ever stepped in that stadium. Jake Roos over here catching strays in the comment about white yeah. microwaves and the kitchen sinks. Um, <laughs> I do want to mention something, though, Rusty, and, and something that uh, it's not hard to do this that bothers me a little bit. I see a lot of fans on Twitter, on our message board, in comments, talking about the standard. And this is not the Georgia standard. This is not the standard that – Guys, the standard's not the scoreboard, man. That's explicitly not the standard. Like, listen, I heard Mike McDaniel say this today after the the uh, the uh, Dolphins just absolutely, you know, gutted. I'm talking about just laid it open like a like the deer on the first day of season in front of Never seen anything like that. They just, I mean, seventy to twenty, and he made the comment: "You put up historic offensive numbers because you didn't give a bleep about the scoreboard." The scoreboard is not is not the standard. The standard is going out there, focusing on the on the on the task at hand, get emptying the tank and coming back and doing it again and again and again and never stopping. The standard is to get better as the game goes along, to outlast the opponent. You know, that's just the way it is. And and I think a lot of folks are getting wrapped up in, well, the standard is dominance. No, that's not the standard. That's the result of the standard playing out. So I think a lot of folks need to kind of kind of get that in check a little bit and, and, and understand that I believe Kirby Smart when he says that he is very pleased with how hard his team's playing, with how with how his quarterback is doing, what his coach is doing, playing within the offense. And, and I just think we have to understand that this team, having lost as much as it has the past couple of years, but because it's got guys like number 19 on offense and number three and 13 and 22 and 23 and 24 on defense, that it's going to have a chance to, and number two to, to be a really good football team. And it's going to have to get better as the year goes along as some of these highly touted freshmen and sophomores continue to get experience. Hey man, I'm already thinking, you know, that the a big silver lining for later on this season in the 2024 season is how many reps some of these young guys are getting to play right now. Especially, yep. Especially on the young D line and outside. With all, yeah, with, with all of these guys out. Derek um, Senior agrees. I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. And and I've said on the board tonight, I'm not just saying it because he's in his comments. I said it earlier. I want to see more of 19. Um, I think Damon Wilson's going to be there. Uh, you know, but look at Jordan Hall, um, Kristen Miller. You know, Georgia's – they're they're playing some really 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 talented young defensive front seven guys. Let me tell you something right now. If you go back and watch a replay, and you want to go back and watch somebody play, watch number thirty three on defense. And you want to talk about somebody that can fly to dog. the ball, 
off. I mean, that dude can go. And I'm telling you right now, C.J. Allen off the field is as good as good as a prospect young man that I've ever covered. Some of the stories are just insane about what type of human being he is. If you're a fan of Georgia Bulldogs and you want to be a fan of somebody, you watch number 33 on the field and watch how fast he is. And he's about to play a lot in the next three or four years for Georgia. Hey, you want to talk about that standard, man? Gary Gaines said it in Friday Night Lights, you know, being perfect is not about what's on the scoreboard out there. But uh, they lost the game, spoiler alert. Georgia's trying to win every game. And I think getting Brock Bowers involved a lot, yep. Jake, you've alluded to it, the fact that he's, you know, maybe not as banged up as he was coming into the season yep. uh, certainly helps. And Georgia's offense kind of letting it rip. I did have a couple questions kind of in some text threads about Georgia's offense. I don't know if y'all can shed any light on this, but I've noticed it too. Is it me or is Georgia's offense moving a little bit more slowly looking at the play sheet on their wristbands right there that we see in the picture with Brock Bowers? It seems like to me, I don't remember Georgia having to look down at that thing before every single play. Is that a, a new quarterback thing? 100%, is that 100%, yeah. 100% because you're getting help from the sideline? And yep. they can see above, so you come to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it takes a while before you let somebody completely loose with, with a full range of – I mean, listen, this is this is his four start. You know what I mean? Yeah. So every bit of help you can get. Uh, if you see that screenplay last night to the, the, basically the, the comeback uh, touchdown to Bowers, uh, you, you look at that play and pretty sure that was changed uh, from the sideline for formation-wise. So – you look at those things, and you can you can help a young. And the only reason I know this, spending so many times on sideline, Jake does this coaching as well, spending on the sideline during high school, and you see that those changes from the sideline, and it's quick because everybody don't have he doesn't have to communicate it. Everybody just looks at their wristbands. You got to play and go. So that's certainly attributed a lot to a young, uh, you know, in a, kind of a young, experienced quarterback. The him and and some and some new pieces on offense. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, love it and and Ra Ra playing the snaps. They're playing C J Smith, playing more snaps. I mean, you're trying to get you know those guys that haven't been in the crunch time. And it's not necessarily calling the play. Uh, that's something else I want to clear. It's not necessarily they're they're just trying to take something off of their plate. You know, like it's probably not going to see it as much in game seven, eight, nine, ten as you are right now. But right now they're trying to take something off of their plate and kind of allow them to do some things faster. But listen, they've got the ability to kind of speed break too, which is get into a huddle and jump out of that huddle real fast and run a play. They've got the ability to go fastball, which is, you know, which is their no huddle stuff, which is something they're doing as well. But I don't think they're at all hesitant to kind of take a little bit more time to run a play, especially to get a drive started. A couple quick questions before we move on here and talk a little bit more about Auburn. Uh, can we shed light on the penalty on the D-line shift? And this is something that Georgia was kind of its bread and butter in the last several seasons, not just national championship seasons, getting O-lines to kind of jump with that shift before the snap. Why did that change last night? So my is it, Jake, because they simulated the snap count with their hands right. clapping? Yeah. Yeah, they so what Georgia tries to do, Nicobe Dean got called for this either in 2021 or 2022. I can't remember what year it yep, was. Yep. But they it's it's a defensive delay game. It's not the shift. The shift is fine. It's the fact that that Georgia's key to initiate that shift is often as close to the snap count as it can possibly be. And you mean now, by a clap, by a clap. Right. Yeah. Simulate it can be by a clap or if there's a, if there's some sort of like quick you know, like a loud cadence or something like that, a hard cadence, they'll do that. But mostly it's a clap. On the road, it, they'll use a cadence because teams use a cadence on the road. Uh, and they still even end up getting some teams in their own house because they're able to go, um, you know, they're able to say, you know, a, a, a code word or something, but they bark it really loudly and the offensive line reacts to the movement and the combination of the, of the inflection. Let me cut in on you, Jake. How, how, how much did Eddie Gordon and that staff in pregame talk to those referees and go, listen, this is what they're going to do, and this is illegal. So I yeah. want you to call it. So there's no question that the familiarity with that staff and especially him knowing, facing that Georgia defensive line every day for three years, knowing what they're going to do. So there was some kind Matt, of – Matthew C's correcting me over here. It definitely wasn't N'Kobe if it was 2022. That's, that's a good point. I remember when N'Kobe got called for that. Unless he's on yeah, the sideline. It was definitely 2021. He's got a good point there. I didn't think about that. 
he got mad. Let me make one quick comment too, because I usually let you guys handle this, but I see a comment saying wide receiver coach Brian McClendon's got to go. He's not doing his job. Okay. Oh, I wasn't even going to address it, but go I'm ahead. Going to, so let me ask you, let me just say this real clear. If you watch Dominic Lovett play anytime for Georgia, the reason he came to the University of Georgia is because of Brian McClendon. If you watch Ra Ra Thomas play wide receiver anytime this year for the University of Georgia, the reason he came is because of Brian McClendon. So uh, kind of understand there, uh, just because he's had a couple of misses here lately, doesn't mean that he hasn't had an impact. And uh, I think Brian McClendon is still going to do a really good job. And if he loses Nicar, it wasn't because Nicar didn't believe in Brian McClendon. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, you know, he, he had him committed for a while, and he's going to try to get him back. And he was there on Friday. But uh, we can you can kind of uh, back off a little bit on the Brian McClendon uh, recruiting there because if he has to go back into the portal, uh, you know, he can recruit. Listen, he had Georgia kind of in this thing with J.J. Smith, the number one. I'm going to yep. tell you, this might be the best wide receiver in the last 10 years in high school football. This might be the best wide receiver in the last 10 years in high school football. Everybody I talked to just blown away with this guy. So, you know, and Georgia was in this thing, got him on a visit, talked to him a couple of times. So, uh, but, but, but let's just be a little bit patient with Brian McClendon. This class is not over yet and we'll see where this goes. And then Jordan Lavelle uh, out of the loop. What was wrong with Michael Williams? Nothing too serious from what we're hearing, right? Yeah. Uh, Kirby said, Kirby said illness um, and that uh, they expect Michael back this week. He'll be back this week. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Let's uh, take a quick detour. Talk about our friends at bird dogs. Uh, if you guys need a comfortable pair of shorts or pants, golf shirt, like I'm wearing right now, you can see the little bird dog logo. Uh, it is the most comfortable linens, whatever it's made out of. I, I think it might be made from NASA, some sort of polymer. I don't know. It sounds probably not as fancy as that, but it sounds, uh, it feels like you're just wearing air. And uh, whatever they're doing, whether you're getting the uh, Slick Rickies or the Benjamin Cranklins, <laughs> Those, some other names on here that uh, I'll let like you figure out for yourself. But they are seriously, whatever the lining is, it feels like you're wearing next to nothing at all. And I know it's getting a little crisp, getting a little cooler outside. So if you don't want the shorts, you can also pick up some nice pants. You got joggers, you got stretch khakis if you're going, trying to do something a little bit more formal. Uh, or if you're just out there hitting some range balls after working out, you can get everything you need in style and comfort at birddogs.com use the checkout code dogs follow the link that we'll have in this show's description and you will get a free hydro flask style water bottle to keep you hydrated as well so check out bird dogs uh we love the dogs and we love bird dogs so check them out uh looking ahead to auburn a little bit we don't normally do this on sunday night show guys but it is the deep south's oldest rivalry wanted to uh Take a look. Take some inventory of, of where Auburn is right now. They had a tough game against AM. The passing game specifically, not up to the standard of Hugh Freeze. I know Georgia's defense theoretically should be licking its chops a little bit, but with all those injuries, I'm interested to see how the dogs are able to attack uh, Hugh Freeze's offense down there on the Plains, 3.30 Eastern on Saturday. Well, getting Michael Williams, we expect Michael Williams back. And, Jake, I think you might agree Javon Bullard back this week, in my opinion. So, if you get Javon Bullard and Michael Williams back, that's going to be a great start on defense because you got the back-end support and you got the the pass rush of Michael and what he's able to do. And I, I just think it's a, it's a good kind of barometer where, where Georgia is. They're going to go on the road. Listen, if you've been to Auburn once, you've been twice, you know what to expect. This place is going to be – I don't care what their record is. This place is going to be rocking. Some weird things have happened down there before in this rivalry. So it's kind of different. They're playing in September. This is, the, you know, you think of Auburn, Georgia, it's always like, uh, you know, that's hoodie season. Uh, well, it's not hoodie season right now, despite what Jake wearing. I appreciate the, the that's brown liquor for breakfast season. No doubt. No doubt. So, uh, you know, you, you think about this game a little later year always, but a little bit earlier. So I still think it's going to be rowdy there. I'm very interested in Carson Beck, but. You look at Georgia facing Auburn right now, and listen, this is Hugh Freeze's first year. They tried to go heavy in the portal, whatever they could do. And on paper, I think Georgia's already a 16-and-a-half-point favorite, probably go up as the week goes on. And they should go there and handle business. Uh, but, you know, see what Hugh Freeze 
see what he does. You know, he's had some success in the past with different teams against this defensive staff. So we'll see what he does to try to kind of attack Georgia. Um, I want to go ahead and prepare fans for one thing. All right. And, and it may not happen, but, but I think it's possible. Guys, do not be surprised if Georgia does not go out there and try to light this scoreboard up and, and, and make you all happy. Okay. Because we know Kirby. I think one of the things that makes Kirby great, this is just me. I know there are a lot of fans who think points is the name of the game and not wins. Um, you know, and, and, and I get why you think that. Like, score more points, you got a better chance to win. And I get it. I get it. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think whatever gives you the best chance to win because the coach knows his football team so much better than any of us do. Um, don't be surprised if you see a Kentucky-esque, uh, 22 Kentucky-esque style game plan on Saturday. Um, run the ball, run game extension, take care of the football, just dare Auburn to do anything on you offensively. Because, man, I watched that Texas A&M game. And the only reason Auburn had a chance in that game was because they got a defensive score. Now, listen, they got that defensive score by a strip of a running back and a scoop and score, and the dude ran right by Jimbo Fisher. I cannot believe that happened. One of the most incredible things I've ever seen crazy. in a game. I mean, I've never seen anything like that happen. And the funny thing was, is like as the dude got close to him, Jimbo was in a perfect striking position. <laughs> um, he could have, he could have, you know, near leg, near shouldered that guy in a heartbeat. Just had um, too much Aggie in him. <laughs> But uh, it's not going to surprise me, man. It's not. I mean, if Georgia goes out there and and maybe gets a little bit of a lead, scores 20, you know, scores 17, 20, 21 points, something like that, and then I'm talking about they take yes. a Gerber and just lacerate the football and let all the air out of it. Just suffocate um, the play clock. Mm-hmm. I, it was not going to surprise me. I, I don't necessarily expect it, but I think it's possible. And, uh, you know, we'll see if that goes down. The only thing that makes me not think that is – you know, one of the Georgias is Georgia does is not deep in the backfield. That's one thing that makes me think it's not necessarily the way they're going to go. Is they're not necessarily deep in the backfield. But the last time Georgia was at Auburn, Bo Nix was the quarterback, and I think Georgia had a lot of respect for good Bo Nix. I think they had a lot of respect for the fact that he can run around and create some magic, um, like he did the their first time playing him at home, whenever they had a 21-0 lead, they didn't pick him off when they had a chance. They dropped it when they had him down 21-0, and he almost came back and beat them. Mm-hmm. So I think they had a lot of respect for him, and they knew they needed to go hang some points, especially with how they put together a long drive with Mike Bobo calling plays to start that game. Auburn's just not there on the offensive line. They're not there at quarterback. They're not there at receiver. Um, uh, I, I, I think that's possible. And I, I still think Georgia is a very bad matchup for this Auburn team right now. Jordan Hare, man, I've I saw the I, I saw the kick six, and I saw the prayer at Jordan Hare. Yeah, Things the devil is in that building. Whatever, mm. despite whatever Hugh Freeze wants to say, mm. uh, I just I want to point out an interesting uh, side note about this show tonight. One commenter says that they feel better about the show, and one commenter says that uh, we're in better shape then this melodramatic podcast would indicate. So whatever y'all feel about the team, it's somewhere in the middle of the show tonight. Uh, apparently we're melodramatic and we're doing and glooming Georgia football despite saying that they're on the right track. So I don't know what, what kind of show we got going on. We have on. never been accused of that one. But that's what the hell's going on over here? Always the first. Always the first. Hammerhead dog, I feel better. Dusty Wyatt Chandler, some sort of cowboy, I think. We're in better shape than the podcast. Oh, I I'm sorry, I missed the first part of that. So where 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 does this where does our melodramatic podcast? Who says that? Oh, I, I, this is from Dusty Wyatt Chandler. Apparently, Dusty. we've just been talking about how bad the team is. I don't know. Listen, is that man. is that George Strait in his picture? I mean, listen, he's been on Broadway all weekend. He can say what he needs to, man. Yeah, that's fine. No, it's it's just bulletin board material for Kirby. That's all right. Uh, I'm excited for this game, though. Uh, the Kirby Hugh Freeze matchup is is the storyline. I think that everyone's going to hang on to this week. I don't know if it's really applicable with this Hugh Freeze roster just yet. Yeah, uh, but Kirby hadn't beat him yet in the head coach <laughs> matchup, and Kirby hasn't beaten Ole Miss yet in the head coaching matchup either. So those are those storylines that don't really matter too much. But I think it's going to be pretty exciting for people to see Kirby Smart go head to head with Hugh Freeze again after all the history they have too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind saying it. I don't think Hugh Freeze is a good guy, personally. I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't think, I don't think there are too many people watching this show that think that. That's, I'll stop right there. Rusty probably wants me to stop right there. That's all right. Everybody's you tired of your comedy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the dude, but you know, I can tell you that, that George is gonna, you're gonna get George's best effort this weekend. I think that. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, man. First road game. Yep. Everyone's itching to see how Carson Beck's going to do. You know, I've, I I can't ignore what my gut tells me. And since this summer, I've felt like this game could still yeah. end up being a little bit trickier than people think just because it is Jordan-Hare. But Something about it down there. Yeah, I mean, there is. There's something about it. I've, I've seen Georgia win, like, for whatever it was in 2012, like 45 to nothing. And then you've seen the uh, – Josh Harvey Clemens, whatever happened on that play? The what? What was that one? The the prayer at Jordan Hare, and then there's yeah, the I believe it was actually Trey Matthews. Trey Matthews, actually Trey Matthews, actually Trey Matthews. That's right. Both of them were in the area, and there's yes. been a lot of talk about bat it down, bat it down. It wasn't necessarily a hail mary. I mean, obviously, you'd, hindsight, you'd bat it down. Yeah, the thing I keep going to on that play, Rusty, is uh, is the uh, just the cattle wrangling that happened on Ray Drew as he was trying to get to Nick Marshall on the play. That was uh, mm. that, that could have been my man Ray Drew's defining play of his whole career, but he got tackled by a first-round uh, offensive tackle. So I think um, I think uh, that was a Mike Bobo offensive coordinator game, and I think that Georgia was down 17 at the start of the fourth. I, I think they might have been down 20. Could have been fourth, yeah. And, and, and a lot of people don't go back and – you guys know this. You go back like Aaron Murray throws the ball. We have there's a good shot at the last play of the game. They're on about the twenty. They almost get that thing in. Yep, yep. that was crazy. They, they kept coming. Hey, but um, with a lot, all this talk about uh, all this talk about brown liquor. Um, have y'all seen the 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 dude, the video of the dude from Ohio State, the guy covering Ohio State that took to Twitter and with his live show after the game and. He, I think he had had a little bit too much to drink himself. Have y'all seen that video? No, I mean Ohio State fans stay embodied. Wes, can we play it on the show? Can or I, do you not feel comfortable doing that? I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I, how? I mean, I it's not it? it's not vulgar or anything like that. It, y'all, let me tell you something. This is it's one of the better things I believe I've ever laid eyes on. Well, let's get I, into dog stocks. We'll we'll put Auburn back on the shelf and we'll talk about that. We'll give you okay. an update on Lab McConkie as, as we learn more later on in the week. I know I kind of teased y'all with him in this picture here, but let's get into dog stocks. Jake, how do I find this thing? Chat it up and then I'll find it. I'm trying it. my best. I'm trying my best right now to get it sent yeah, to you. I'm about spot. to send it to us in the group you're chat. The, you're on the spot right now. Yeah, I got it right now to you. Um, all right, my dog stock is uh, – I mean, I think I'm about to, I'm probably about to make some enemies in the Georgia fan base here. I, I got stock up on Georgia's offensive line. Um, mm. And I'm not necessarily saying that, that this was, I mentioned this on last show. I'm not saying it's because of Amarius Mims going out because it's not, it's not because Amarius Mims went out. It's because this team was faced with this offensive line was faced with some adversity and I've seen better focus. Now I still think Ernest Green needs to play better ball. And I think Tate Ratledge is a little bit up and down more so than he would like to be. Um, but, but since Amarius Mims got hurt, I think that there has been six quarters of Georgia running the football a lot better than it was previously. Um, I think Georgia, Georgia had one tackle for a loss. They allowed one tackle for loss against UAB. And UAB came into the game as a team, I believe, through three games, had around 17 or 18. So they had been doing a pretty good job of taking some chances up front. UAB was bringing six guys. They are bringing seven guys. And the only tackle for loss was Carson Beck basically pulling it down and trying to run with it rather than replacing the blitz. And I, I, don't, I don't fault him for trying to run with it. He saw something there. Um, but I'm going to stock up on the offensive line. I think the last two weeks it has trended up. You've seen the run game get better. Some of that's because of Dejan Edwards coming back. It was already pass protecting well, and I don't think it pass protected very well at all against South Carolina at times, but I thought it pass protected really well yesterday, and I thought it did a really good job in the in the run game. And um, ultimately, I think that Georgia has, has developed a lot of depth there, and it got a lot of guys some playing time, and I thought it was very, very interesting that Ernest Green stayed in that game as late as he did. Um, I think the staff knows they got to get him reps, and folks need to understand. I'll keep hammering this point home. Guy's basically a true freshman, y'all. He didn't play yeah. a single snap. 
didn't didn't practice a single snap all last fall because he was he was he had a back injury and so he he missed he went had back surgery yeah back surgery i mean a little worse than a true freshman if you really think about it because he did nothing last year except for spring drills and maybe a little bit during preseason camp so uh he's learning he's coming along but I mean, here, just see this man right here from Man West right here. Got this guy in the brown water right here. Y'all, this, this dude, is this dude right here. I just watched some of this. This guy. <laughs> All right. I he is. Uh, he's, he's like we used to say back in uh, back in the day. This dude is red faced. This dude, his eyes are lazy as me on a Sunday. <laughs> I hope the sound comes through. Welcome to the Scoop Bar, BuckeyeScoop.com edition. If you guys are on our game thread, it's been absolutely lit crazy. You guys have to join BuckeyeScoop.com. It's been an absolutely amazing night all night. We just won the biggest game of the season, and it's about to be a roller coaster to roll all through that. With that being what? said, I appreciate all you guys uh, tuning in. As always, I appreciate you guys seeing subscribe, Bye. hitting like. And also hitting that little uh, alert bell so you guys can get the alert. With His that being said, right we have to go search in Nevada. Nevada, we got your boy, Jim Knowles, shutting down the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Again, this is a virtuoso performance. Again, people that are stupid, <laughs> people that are idiots, that people that are fucking game. Or effing okay. things, they don't understand, like, I've had enough. Players. In the end, we got it done. We gotta step, I got to step our Wes. We got to step our game up after live, man. Dude, I, I'll tell you that was that could have been me last night, but uh, I I stayed disciplined for that seven thirty kick. Um, those Ohio State fans, dude, they're Woo. you could have talked to him on a Tuesday at lunch. He probably sounded like that. We needed to find him after the Peach Bowl last year. Oh I man, he'd, he'd have been in too. No, I, I think – yeah, I think he's probably forgotten all about the Marvin hey, Harrison Jr. Listen, targeting that, that, at this point. That last six minutes of that game did a number on that man. He, he did whatever it took to get through that. He had to do it. I, I, I mean, I, I understand. I get it. Oh, I, I mean, probably find some Notre Dame fans that feel the same way, dude. <laughs> they just can't win that game. They, yeah. they got Clemson a couple years ago, but something about these marquee games at Notre Dame does not go the Irish's way. Um, I'll, I'll pick up my dog stock off of that, and I'll talk about how Georgia broke Ryan Day because uh, Ohio State – stock up on Georgia in that regard because Ohio State could have won the game if they had kicked the field goal and made it before they did that dumb jet sweep end around on fourth and one, play some defense, trust your defense to go out there and play, and then you could have had a game-winning kick set up late in the ball game. But it is evident to me that Georgia broke Ryan Day in the Peach Bowl because he just doesn't trust a kicker to uh, attempt a game winner right now. And I won't take any shots at Georgia because they got some things to figure out in that department too right now. But stock up on Georgia for that and stock up on uh, Dan Lanning and uh, that mentality that he picked up at Georgia. That speech that he had about the Colorado game, talking with the pads, playing on grass. I mean, that's what it takes – to win at Georgia, he learned that, I'm sure, before he coached at Georgia, but he learned that it works at Georgia, and it it worked against Colorado. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way that he's approaching the game, approaching that one specifically. There's nothing wrong with what Deion Sanders is doing, what his approach saying, hey, y'all better catch us now because they probably will be much better next year and in two years, uh, and that's how they're doing it. There's, no, again, more than one way to skin a cat – but stock up on uh, on Georgia's influence on college football because it was evident in two of those big marquee games uh, this past weekend. It was incredible. Stock up on the dogs, even in games they're not playing it. I go uh, – this might not be the most popular one, but we'll get it. I go stock up on the UGA equipment social media. I mean, they, they did an unbelievable job of trolling the black jerseys. I mean, they had people – I had more people at the game yesterday tell me, hey, I got a guy, and they're wearing black tonight. <laughs> I mean, there was – I mean, at some point I was convinced it's a blackout, you know, and you saw the, the black visors and they kind of – they messed up and put those jerseys in the background there on the rack. I said, no, they, they didn't mess up. They got exactly what they wanted to do. I can't even imagine the social media impressions they had. I even sent it to you guys as soon as they put out – the black velvet was a great touch uh, for the two helmets, and 
that kind of stirred it up. So whoever's running that, you know, they sit around all week thinking, how can we do, how can we troll this one? They did a great job. And uh, on, a, on a bigger note, um, what a great uh, kind of a statement and tribute by the UGA Spike Squad. Uh, pray for Chubb on the back of there. Uh, those kids that paint those things up, and that was a big hit. And a lot of people think that kind of su surprise. I'm sure Nick saw that. His family saw that. So, you know, stock up for both of those for for different reasons. But man, that UGA football equipment had a. I know they had fun with that all week, and they were very creative in how they had people thinking. You know, it was a blackout for UAB. Reportedly, a, a uh, torn MCL for Chubb. Right, I was is, I was about to go stock up on. on I tell you, man, that dude's, that dude's an alien. Like I don't ligaments, like. Ligaments. I mean, dude, he's like, that guy's going to be back in six or seven months. And, you know, I, I was sitting here last Monday night about to throw up for him and thinking that was the last time we probably saw him or if he ever came back, he wouldn't. But, like, Nick Chubb, he's going to be back in six or seven months. And, you know, in my opinion, he's not going to play for the Browns because he has that that contract. So now this guy gets to cut or not. Pick, this guy gets to pick and choose where he's going to go. And Nick Chubb's going to be a hot commodity somewhere uh, and he'll be able to go somewhere to where, look, they got a chance to play in February. So, um, you know, don't – I hated he got hurt, but what an unbelievable uh, diagnosis because I would have never thought it was just MCL. Like, I mean, that dude will – he'll have that. By June, I can see him in Cedartown on those those summer mornings working, and they call it PCB, that Polk County Beach, what he's got down there in that sand trap. I can see him working and getting ready for the season. Yeah, he ain't hitting 56 degree wedges in that sand trap either. He's, no, he's, no, he's no. I've seen him play golf. He he needs to put that club up. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to stay uh stay what he does because he's definitely not the golfer. Uh well that's that's uh, great news for Chubb and great news for a bunch of dogs out there, man. That doesn't surprise me, but it did surprise me a little bit after yeah. seeing that film and seeing that injury. Um, never count that guy out. Yeah. Don't hit like and subscribe on this show. Uh, we're back every single Sunday night. We're here every post game for Georgia games every Wednesday night at 8.30 and also for Bark After Dark every Monday at 9. Jake Rowe, what you got this week? Well, we are still working on a guest with an Auburn theme. Um, there are some guys out there that we're in we're trying to get in talks with. Um, it won't be Cole Kubelik, even though we really wanted Cole. He just Monday nights don't work for him. So we got a couple of other guys with Auburn ties um, you know, looking into looking into them. So uh, it won't be Hugh Nall either. Um, but uh, you know, we'll see who it is. Uh, Tommy up. Tuberville. Couple <laughs> names. Yeah, we. You know, it'd be great to get Tommy Tuberville. Oh man. Get Ben Lear to Ronnie Daniels after that 1999 game. I believe they just hooked up for another touchdown in Sanford, Sanford mm. Stadium. Mm. Hell, why not Mike Bobo? You know, mm. <laughs> I, I'd love it. Get mm. Mike Bobo on there. We'll talk Stacey, about Stacey Searles played at Auburn. Hey, I'd like to point out something real quick. My Bobo has not run a uh, third and long draw all year long. Well, he did run it on third and goal, I think, for a touchdown or third and four for a first down. Anyway, none of that matters. We all like driving in our trucks. Y'all know what the rest of that uh, statement is. If you're a fan of the Squidbillies, it is Georgia-Auburn week. We'll see y'all early and often this week. See ya.